0: Welcome to the Family Worship Companion, supplementing your personal reading of Scripture with a Christ centered emphasis and real life application for every member of the family. Have you ever lost a loved one? Some of you children may not have experienced this yet, and so in Genesis 23, we have the reality of death put before us in the passing of Sarah, Abraham's wife. We also have the record of his purchase of a very famous burial ground, the Cave of Machpelah. After a long, challenging, and happy marriage, we are told in the opening two verses of the passing of Sarah at Kirjath Arba, just west of the Dead Sea, at 127 years of age. From verses 3 through 16, we learn of the sons of Heth, or Hittites. their Canaanites. We know that from Genesis 10, verse 15 and they offer a burial site to Abraham. We learn in these verses that they viewed Abraham as a mighty prince, literally a prince of God, and so they respected and revered him. But Abraham is a separated man, representing a separated people, and so he doesn't see it right for him to bury his wife among the burial ground of the Canaanites. He desires a separate piece of ground, the cave of Machpelah, And so he inquires after Ephron, the man who owned that cave. Abraham then negotiates to buy the entire field around the cave and gives a price of 400 shekels of silver. And in the final few verses, verses 17 to the end, we find a repeated phrase that the area, the borders are made sure. The sense is that Abraham is making clear boundaries with regard to the property that he has just purchased Now some think that this is Abraham kind of making a claim upon the entire land of Canaan. And while that's not the case, what Abraham is doing is, at least first of all, he is by faith showing that he believes God's promises and that this land will eventually belong to his posterity. It's also a sermon to his believing posterity that they also should expect to be buried in this land. And finally, it is an expression of his belief in resurrection. If there's no resurrection, why take such care of the body? Burial is a matter of stewardship and displays the fact that we believe the body belongs to God and that he will raise it one day. And so this is why I discourage cremation. It denies Christ's lordship over the body. And while it doesn't determine heaven and hell, Yet at the same time, we want to portray our faith in various ways, and burial is one of those ways that we exhibit to the world, we believe, that this belongs to Christ and he will raise it at the last day. So we come to application 1. God is sovereign unto and including our death. It would appear from the opening verses that Abraham was not present during the passing of Sarah. And so Abraham could have been upset or even angry that this was the case. But as painful as it may be, we must again submit that God is sovereign in every detail. And so if you've ever been in this place as Abraham was, don't be angry at God. Don't be frustrated. Don't be upset at yourself. Just worship God who does all things well. 2. We never read of Abraham weeping when he left Ur- Or when he had to send Ishmael away, or even when he was travelling to Moriah with Isaac. And yet here we find him weeping, and it underscores the fact that it's right and proper for us to sorrow, deeply sorrow and grieve, when loved ones die. I say this because in some circles, funerals have turned into a celebration of life, and whether intentional or not, it seems to rebuke any sense of mourning so that the loved ones that gather on that occasion may feel as if mourning is not appropriate. But when Paul instructs Christians, he doesn't tell them not to sorrow. He simply says that they sorrow not as others that have no hope. And so while Abraham sorrowed, yet he continued with his life as well. He didn't lose out with God or grieve to the extent that he shelved his responsibilities. And that also is a lesson to us. 3. Believers are not to view this world as their only home. Abraham, underlining his experience and feelings in this world, remarks in verse 4 that he is a stranger and a sojourner. Many centuries later, David would identify with this language in Psalm 39. But it's true of us all. As believers, we are in this world, but not of this world. And so, make sure you maintain biblical priorities. 4. Once again, Abraham displays a powerful testimony as a believer— Could you be called a prince of God? Or to use more common terminology, could anyone call you a man of God or a woman of God? If they can't, if it could never be said of us, does that not in and of itself show the half-heartedness of our believing? May God bring us to repentance. Five, it is right for believers to show humility, even before unbelievers. You see that from Abraham in verse 7. This humility governs much of the New Testament instruction to wives, to children, to servants, and it's important for us to take to heart. Sometimes you find uh, believing wives violating this as they look at their unbelieving husbands, thinking they know more. And so they, they go against the instruction of 1 Peter chapter 3. No believer. Clothe yourself with humility. This is the biblical way. Six. There are a number of economic lessons here. Uh, Pay an honest price, deliver what you promise, use witnesses to establish contracts, and secure your own property. Abraham was honest in all his business dealings and had a reputation of honesty. And this is important. Your religion is empty if it does not govern how you do business. Seven, let me speak to the young people and maybe even the older ones as well. At the end, no one mourned you because you were beautiful. They mourned because you were graceful. They mourn not because of what you looked like, but because of your character. Physical beauty is always fading, but character can be constantly improved right until the end. Abraham declares here that he must bury Sarah out of his sight. What a striking reminder of the horrendous nature of death. This woman had been stunningly beautiful... Most of her life. Now she must be buried out of sight. And so the point is underlined. Make sure to live in such a way where others have a reason to mourn us. It will not be our beauty. But there may be something about how we lived and how we impacted others that they will truly be sad about when we finally go. May the Holy Spirit fill our hearts and empower our lives so that we truly are worth mourning for at the end. Finally, praise God that though our bodies rot in the grave... Our covenant relationship with Jesus Christ is not. Our Savior loves the very ashes of His people, and all of them will be raised one day forever to be with Him.